Ladies and gentlemen, the Retro Network proudly presents to you the Trios Tag Team Champions of the World, the Masked Library Kevin Hellions, Sweet Maddie Treats, and the Educator of Excellence, collectively known as the House Show. Welcome, everyone, to a special edition of the house show. It is me, your host, Mr. Maddie Treats, and we are going back to the future. We're hopping in that car. What is it? What is it called? DeLorean. Sure. Whatever that is. We're hopping into that. Is that the same car that the Velveteen Dream drove? No, he had the Lamborghini. Lamborghini, Uh, baby. Oh, okay. So we're hopping into the Lamborghini. We're going back in time. Gigawatts, all that good stuff. I have not been listening to my Retro Network content. I feel like I need to get more of that in there. So anyways, uh, we are discussing NXT in your house, which happened on Sunday. Literally, a retro was like yesterday for us because we are recording this on Monday. And I had to bring the brain trust together. So, of course... We have the educator of excellence. Educator, how are you doing today? What's going on, Treats? Hello, everybody out there. Retro Network. Thank you for tuning in, taking a, taking an ear to this show. Looking forward to hanging out with the crew and our special guest returning for this evening. Uh, looking forward to get everybody's perspective as to uh, uh, the, the retake on the In Your House uh, theme and uh the uh basically the callback to what our show is all about yeah absolutely um and before we get into the callbacks i want to introduce the other host mr kevin hellions the mass library kevin how are you doing this evening i'm doing good i'm in the middle of a takeover week myself here yeah you you literally (laughs) are the entire retro network this week let's see how many days have you been on so you were on monday Monday, all three of us for the bonus episode. Yeah, we had a bonus episode. Royal Albert Hall. Uh, Hashtag Nipplegate. Uh, You were on Tuesday. Tuesday for the main show. I filled in for Mickey. Um, And then, of course, this episode is airing on Thursday. Were you on Wizards this week? Uh, I think it's it's a half week for Wizard. So they'll drop a half episode. And uh, I'm not on Sequel Quest either. Oh, okay. I'll I'll try to arrange that better next time. Yeah, please do. Please do. (laughs) And I know the educator sort of alluded to it earlier. We do have a special guest. You may have heard it on the bonus episode. We made reference to him. It is none other than internet sensation, the legend himself. Move over, Kent Jones, because Crone Meltzer's in the building. What's up? How you doing? You come in. I give you that intro. You come in so smooth. Well... You know, I try to be a very humble man, especially so late in my career of stardom, but it's an honor to join the trios tag team champions and to turn this into the four horsemen for the night. My, my question for you, um, Meltzer, is people are calling you the Danny Botaducci of internet wrestling community. Do you agree with that statement? Uh, I have a little more hair than Danny Bonaducci. I mean, we both have red hair, but I don't think I'm, I'm there yet. Maybe, uh, maybe Seth Green. We'll go with that. Okay. You're the Seth Green of the internet. I think that would be Seth Green. Yeah. So that'll be me. I, I saw a retro commercial this week of Seth Green doing a commercial for like before he did anything else. 
for a very like sloppy barbecue based hamburger from Carl's Jr. And it's dripping all over and forming like Rorschach patterns on the ground. That Seth Green, I could agree, would be like Meltzer. Not successful, famous robot chicken Seth Green. Oh, well, that's fair. (laughs) So you guys might not know this. Not only are we doing covering NXT in your house takeover. Was that what was the official name? NXT takeover in your house, right? Yes. Okay. Not only are we covering that, this is actually Crone Meltzer's graduation from the educator's school. We're doing it through Zoom. You guys might not know this. Uh, we can't have actual ceremonies, so we brought him on. So, uh, educator, what do you what do you want to say to your student? Is he graduating? Does he have a diploma? He has officially successfully made it. Uh, almost valedictorian. We'll have to, we'll give him the salutatorian status. Um, you know, could have put in a little bit more time cracking the books, but in the end, you got it done, sir. Very proud That's, of you. I appreciate that. You know what they say. Bees get degrees. That's right, baby. <laughs> That's a pro wrestling t-shirt. Uh, a new t-shirt available on prowrestlingtees.com. <laughs> um, no free ads. Uh, so anyways, why don't we get into it? Uh, you know, we're, we were talking NXT in your house uh, takeover. And NXT for over five and a half years has been revolutionary, the revolutionary force in sports entertainment. Uh, what a way to kick off that event with that little stinger. Um, the, the first part of this pay-per-view got me so excited and I'm going to be honest with you. And then the, they nailed, I thought the beginning with the retro content, uh, with that opening. Uh, then they went into a promo video, which was a take on good friends, better enemies. Um, the, the, the Vince or excuse Vince, the HBK diesel, um, feud, uh, with the video, the same music, everything, the black and white, um, you know, they had the ring apron, the set. Um, I thought they really nailed the opening and really nailed the, in your house. And of course, uh, Mr. Todd Pettengale, uh, or as you like to call him, Gilbert, uh, Gilbert Godfrey, uh, Kevin, are you telling me he did not look like Gilbert Godfrey, but a little taller? He in that one photo he did. He, I mean, granted, it's been twenty five years. I'm not expecting him to look how he used to look, you know. Yeah. Um. So, so Kevin, I got let's start it off right there. What did you think of the intros? I loved it. I was so excited, and honestly, I'm thankful for us doing this because if I hadn't just gone through and rewatched so many of these in your houses and more to come. I don't know if it would have been as meaningful. Like, I think I think a lot of these memories would have been forgotten. Like the Good Friends, Better Enemies recap. You know, but the, the for over five and a half years and a big blocky NXT logo like the WWF logo was at the time. Todd and Pentagon coming out. One lucky winner tonight will not win a house. I lost that. I thought that was the funniest thing. Um, and, and then when we show up at the arena, it's not the same set but it's close enough to the house set. And I was just like, I'm in, I'm in. I wish there was a crowd. That's my only complaint so far. I'm in for the ride next two and a half hours. Let's go. I'm excited. Now, just quick. There was a pre-show, a half hour pre-show. And I was like, Ooh, good. We'll get to see the house. And maybe there'll be some other nostalgic things. Maybe there'll be a free for all joke or something. Not a single match, not a single anything on that pre-show. Uh, if you see it on YouTube or you know wherever, and you're listening to this, it's not even worth watching it. 
Yeah, I actually sent you a text message saying, hey, are we going to cover the pre-show before the pre-show happened? And we don't have to because nothing happened. Nothing. <laughs> so, so, Educator, what did you think uh, going out? Did it? Did it I, I know you've been putting on the nostalgia goggles every week. Um, was it, was it fun to kind of see this stuff? What were, what was your first impressions? Of definitely, the definitely pulled at the heartstrings. Uh, just the, the little nuances, uh, between matches, the commercials, the, the intro without a doubt, fantastic. Um, just absolutely got me primed and ready to go and, and looking forward to what the events for the evening were going to hopefully become. Now, Crone Meltzer. Um, for you, I, I know you've been watching along with us weekly and you've been listening to the podcast. Um, did that help you kind of relive, uh, in your house? Because like you said on previous shows, when you weren't really familiar with it, cause you were so young at the time and you weren't really watching wrestling. So, um, d- did going through in, and listening to the podcast and watching the shows help you kind of get what was going on for the in your house and did you get a lot of the references from the NXT show? Oh, absolutely. The the house reference that Hellions made about not being given away. Uh, I understood that one. Um, you know, like you said, the the revolutionary force for five years in sports entertainment or whatnot. Um, I understood that and everything. I I loved that intro though. The music and everything, that epic music, the black and white, like you said, there was there was just something about it that like fit that nostalgic vibe. But it just, it fit with everything because that was essentially what the essence of the show was. It was a nostalgic show to a degree, you know, built around that premise. So I really liked that. But I I didn't like going right into that concert that they had at the beginning. I'll be honest with you, like. I loved the just the nostalgia feel, and then right into the concert, it, it didn't really flow as well for me, to be honest. Yeah, and of course, what Crone Meltzer's talking about is that musical performance. I think the band's name is Code Orange. Yeah, it's Orange Cassidy. Now, yeah, Code Orange Cassidy, can you imagine? How <laughs> great would that be if he walked out during that? <laughs> Everyone's bobbing their head, and he just throws the thumbs up and walks away or something. I mean, I would have marked out huge. Uh, when Code Orange shows up their lead singer is out there first. I'm like, I didn't know Damien priest was in a band. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. They, they had a similar uh, look to them. That's for sure. And out of all of us code orange type of music would be more in my wheelhouse out, out of the four of us on show right now. And it's nothing against them, but they have never done it for me. I'm not saying they're not talented. I'm not saying there's not audience. It just never did it for me. Like, there's been other bands that have done NXT shows most recently, but overall WWE shows that I was excited for and really into, or that won me over. Um, a few takeovers ago, Poppy did a performance. And I was like, wow, she's actually really good. Like, it won me over to, to listening to more of her. Code Orange, I'm just like, it's not for me, guys. Best of luck. You know, this doesn't do it for me. Yeah, I don't know what it is about the the musical performances. I don't really like when there's a band there performing live. I just think it looks awkward, personally. Um, I, I like when they do the single musical performances. And what I mean by that is when you have the violinist playing for Shinsuke's music. You know, yeah. when they have the, the female guitarist or just ripping guitar for whoever it was. I can't even remember, you know, who she who she played for, but... When they do that and they and they make it part of the entrance music, I really like that. Um, I was just kind of shocked, though, that they started off with that 
um, it would have been better if they started off with uh, with my baby tonight with with the uh, <laughs> with Double J from the Lumberjacks. How great would that have been? Road Dog was there. Well, isn't Jared under contract too? Yeah, got Jared's there too. too. <laughs> so, can, can you imagine? See, this is the one thing about the show. One, I thought I thought it was a good show. Don't get me wrong; I thought it was a good show, but. They started off strong with the nostalgia stuff, and then we'll talk about, obviously, the commercials when we get to them. But then it was just, it kind of trailed off, and it was just like, okay, this is the show now. It's just a takeover now. Um, and that was just the one of the things that I thought um, they hit on some of the nostalgia, but not, they didn't go all the way with it, I, I guess, would be my kind of, um, my take on it. Even if people had, say, a retro throwback tights. Like, oh, my gear tonight's inspired by, you know, uh, Jeff Jarrett's gear beforehand or, you know, the roadies uh, like cow vest thing there, you know, something for Kevin Nash, for Bret Hart, for, you know, pick one, you know, something like that. Um, the ring apron did have the In Your House logo on it, but like the old blue turnbuckle pads, you know, like there's a lot of things that could have been done. But also, you know, let's address the elephant in the room with not having fans. I think a lot of it is why would we invest more money than we need to right now in certain things? Now, if this was successful and they do another NXT in your house, maybe when, you know, they're allowed to have fans and all, okay, let's do more because now we, you know, now we want it to look better to put more production into it. And I, I think there, there's been talk about making this perhaps, an annual show maybe it'll be a may june kind of deal you know just like we're accustomed to the november survivor series weekend being the war games uh takeover show uh there there has been talk about this in your house becoming an nxt brand in an annual event so perhaps moving forward you know again with everything going on with the pandemic you know we're, they're still trying to make best of the situation and in regards to the lack of fans. And I think that is unfortunately one of the things that did hurt the show. I won't say hurt, but you know, could have lent to the show being a lot better and much more appealing. Don't get me wrong. It was a fantastic show. I enjoyed it, but you know, let, let, let's chalk this up to, Hey, we're, we're going to make the best that we can of this situation and let's do a bunch of callbacks and to, to rope, uh, people in and perhaps this will become an annual event and you know maybe moving forward we can see more ideas implemented we were talking briefly before we started about the difference covering something brand new as opposed to the retro ones and like educate like all of us are saying hey it would have been cool if they had done this if they had done that for the overall retro theme of this in your house pay-per-view special event whatever they're called now and that's one of the differences with our usual content. We know what's going to We know Vader never won the WWF title. We know how most of these matches end. We know how these storylines go. So we're not looking at it going, oh, geez, I wish, or getting our hopes up, like, I hope this happens tonight. We already know. So we're viewing it in a different mindset. But this show, last night's show, we're hoping for more retro. We're hoping for the house. We're hoping for this to happen, for that to happen, for this title change, for this person to win. Because we don't know yet because it's live. So you're going to, listeners are going to hear more disappointment or more I wish or more, you know, um, pie in the sky alternate universe fantasy booking stuff than right. usual because it's so fresh and we don't know where these stories end. 
we're 25 years later from our usual in your house. We know how the stories end. We right. can view it as a complete book as opposed to we only have one chapter. Yeah, and especially with, given the fact that, you know, a, a lot of the outcomes to the matches, uh, for many of us, they're, they're kind of uh, going against the grain of what we believe is the future for some of these wrestlers and regarding, like, contract statuses and supposed wrestlers being called up to the main roster. So, and, and we'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. So, yeah, we're definitely looking at this through a different kind of lens in that, because we don't know what the outcomes are and this is current generation current you know live stuff going on as opposed to you know we've had time to process and understand the direction that ended up coming from the previous events that we've already covered so so educator you brought up the point and i'm going to open this question up and i'm going to start with crone Meltzer on this that survivor series weekend takeover does war games now say they turn the June pay-per-view into their in-your-house pay-per-view. What other old pay-per-view do you want to see NXT kind of take over and make their own? Ooh. So, Crone Meltzer, I'll open that up to you. you Which want pay-per-view? I got the perfect one. Just off the top of my head that I think they could pull off. What about King of the Ring? Where you had a tournament style one night, you know, one night tournament with the winner getting a title shot at the next takeover, something like that. You can still have your your title match on there or whatnot, your two match. But the problem with that becomes most of their shows are only four or five matches long. So I don't really... That's one thing that's interesting about it is you really got to... You got to almost fit the card for the for the time. So I don't really know if that one would work. Um, <laughs> you just you just talked yourself out of your own suggestion. I, I, I did. I did. <laughs> All right, so let's let's move on. Let's go to Educator. Educator is salivating right now. W- which pay-per-view do you think they should take over? And well, redo? just, you know, I, I understand the idea of the tournament, but I think they're kind of, that's essentially what they're doing with the Dusty Cup, usually the Tag Team Cup uh, year to year, I believe. Uh, we've ended up having the finals usually at one of the takeover shows. Um, what if, and, and, you know, I know WWE has their Extreme Rules uh, concept, but, you know, maybe we could get like uh, an uncensored kind of deal where we have more of a, a callback to just the hardcore style matches that, you know, we don't get to necessarily see. Well, we do later on a little bit in the show uh, for one of our matches that's basically a false count anywhere kind of deal, uh, the backlot brawl. But, um you know, maybe an uncensored I could see being, a, you know, a, a great callback to uh, the big one that I would love to see a Halloween Havoc. I would love to see a Halloween Havoc themed, whether it's NXT or it's uh, a, a WWE that an October pay-per-view, you know, that we've always like the October shows have been usually Hell in a Cell's. Or have been like unforgivens and kind of those ominous boating shows, but you know, bring back the Halloween Havoc thing. I think that would be a great, great callback to, uh, you know, retro wrestling. Kevin, what do you what do you think? What pay per view could they take back? Do you think um, Halloween Havoc, King of the Ring? You know, w- w- what's your take on it? I'm gonna throw. I, I like these ideas. I like it a lot. Um, Halloween Havoc. I think NXT could do really cool stuff with. King of the Ring, boy, what a way to make new talent in NXT in one night. 
what about if the King of the Ring, if they did a King of the Ring tournament where the winner of the tournament gets a title shot on Raw or SmackDown? Yeah, and just cross-promote, bump up all the brands. I was thinking SummerSlam weekend, some sort of combination of Heat Wave and Bash at the Beach. Most, most of your NXT talent is in Florida anyways. Literally have a beach show. Well, can they End do Bash the at the Beach? Doesn't, doesn't AEW own that now? Isn't that what they called that one pay-per-view? in january before uh jericho's cruise right yeah i don't know the exact uh legality of everything that they're doing so it's just kind of interesting to think about and kind of revisit of course that's what this whole show was about was revisiting um those n- nostalgia like as we say every week put on the nostalgia goggles so uh so i agree with the educator i think halloween havoc would be fun just to see, you know, Johnny Gargano jumping off a pumpkin or something. <laughs> I think that'd be great. So, you know. Uh, but anyways, why don't we get right into the match? And I got a question, and I'm going to, once again, uh, Mr. Hellions. What does red, green, blue, white, pink, and black, what does that represent? My fantasies. Red, green, blue, white, pink, and black is your fantasies? I'm assuming this is something about the hair color. That is, oh, yeah. So why is it in the WWE that every woman has to have a different hair color, but every guy needs to have uh, long black hair with a beard? I'm not worried about the guys all looking the same. I am, I was all for this match. <laughs> no, no, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not talking about the match. I'm just saying in general, it's so ridiculous to me that, that they're like, we got to differentiate our women with their hair. But when it comes to your guys, uh, it's like Seth Rollins, uh, Drew McIntyre, Elias. They look like just different evolved Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, for this match, for the six women involved, compared to, and I made the point previous on the house show, you have Sonny, Marlena, and Sable so far frequently showing up. All blonde hair with certain levels of enhancement done to them. You don't have a women's match until I forget, like a, a year away from what we're talking about now on the house show in our regular episodes. And even that is an evening gown match, not an actual wrestling match. The, the In 25 years, the diversity of talent for women is absurd. Not one of these women looks like the other, wrestles like the other. It came, you know, has a background like the other. None of it. It's like if if you're if you're someone who is interested in women romantically, you're going to find someone you love on the show. If you are someone looking at these women as role models, and I want to be like that too, you have a role model on this show. And when we look back to the original in your house series, that doesn't exist for your your female viewers at all. You know, like, yes, you could be like, I want to be pretty like Sonny or Sable, but you could also want to be pretty like the Miss America contest. But right. to see but to see six women here that are fantastic wrestlers, like I would pay to see any one of them at a show it was fantastic. Yeah, I thought I thought it was an excellent match, too. Um, so, Kevin, why don't you why don't you go break this one down? Because I know you were a, a real big fan of it. I, I, I am. Um, you got Shotzi Blackheart, who has the green hair and rides out in the tank. And has uh, sort of like a uh, punk gimmick going for her. Tegan Knox, who was just on the shelf for about a year with knee injuries. And found uh, a, a way to 
stay strong and stay positive by she fell in love with the Captain Marvel movie. And if you notice a lot, a lot of her gear and the stuff she does is inspired by Captain Marvel. Mia Yim, who I don't know if she still does it, but she used to show um, she has one nail painted a different color to show that she's a survivor of domestic abuse and to show the strength and positivity and be a role model. The three of them face Raquel Gonzalez, who is brand new to being on air to NXT. But geez, look at the size of her and everyone just bumping around her. They they put her over so big on the show. Without a doubt. Dakota Kai, who recently, well, fairly recently turned heel by attacking her former best friend, Tegan Knox. And Dakota Kai is fantastic as a heel. I didn't see it coming. I didn't think it could work. She's great. But speaking of fantastic as a heel, Candice LeRae is knocking it out lately. The, this pixie gimmick, this evil, you know, fairy, whatever the heck she's doing, brilliant. She's so good, and she wrestles well as a heel, too. A lot of these girls, Candace being the main one, like, a lot of them came up in indies and small promotions wrestling men because there wasn't another woman to wrestle, even just a couple years ago. And they go at it just as hard as the men's matches on here. Like, this isn't a, you know... Uh, a pillow fight match like the attitude era without a doubt this is starting to show that the the product the results of the performance center um are certainly getting it done you know a lot of these girls ha- have such diverse backgrounds in terms of being on indies whether it be internationally you know two of the ladies are from like australia new zealand um you know we're, one's from was on impact wrestling tna wrestling uh and then you know candice LeRae being like the queen of the indies uh pro wrestling gorilla everywhere uh in the united states and then you have you know you know newer to uh the wwe and newer to the the wrestling audience with shotzi blackheart and reina gonzalez i mean there's such diversity amongst these women and the capability of all six of them coming together and being able to put on this match. Uh, kudos to everything that Sarah Amato, Sarah Del Rey is doing. Kudos to what Matt Bloom is doing uh, and all of the uh, additional trainers and staff that are working with these ladies. You know, there, there's a lot of talk right now that there's some ladies on the current roster who you know, are not doing as well as they should be. And, you know, perhaps they they are the product of, you know, the earliest days of NXT and, you know, they're still figuring things out. But now, I mean, the, these six ladies, they put on a fantastic match. And then later on in the evening, we get to see the main event and the product of, you know, the current NXT roster and that as well. Without a doubt, there are great things going on. And without a doubt, I, I feel you could say that NXT's got probably the strongest women's division going right now in all WWE. Yeah. Wrestling, arguably. And if you're piggybacking off of that, too, they also got some interesting dynamics in there as well. With Candice LeRae dating Johnny Gargano, uh, Mia Yim dating Keith Lee. Even later in the show with Karrion Cross and Scarlett Bordeaux, there are a lot of like real life relationships that they're able to to bring in that really helps accentuate that. Like you were talking a few minutes ago about how a lot of these ladies came up on the indies wrestling other guys, you know. So they're 
they're used to going out there and having having some really physical matches and I think the future of the women's division is in good hands. It seems seems just like yesterday when everybody was worried when the likes of Ember Moon and um oh who else like Alexa Bliss and all those people got called up. It was like, well, what's going to happen to the females in NXT? Seems to be in pretty good hands right now. The the sad thing about the women's division is NXT builds them, Raw and SmackDown will take them. And do nothing with them. Like, Bianca Belair is on Raw. She's not doing anything. Like, literally right. not doing nothing. anything. And she should have had an NXT women's title run. Well, that, it, it's by sad. far deserved it. It's sad. You know, they're trying to build NXT as, like, this legit third brand for WWE. And, you know, you, you got, you know, the roster shuffling around and people are being moved. You know, and we, we call they're getting called up to the main roster to be either on Monday night or Friday night, you know, and in a lot of cases it's not being called up. It's actually being called down to the main show uh, or one of the main shows I, without a doubt. NXT, the women's division is just absolutely uh, blowing it away right now, hands down above what's going on Monday nights and Friday nights. I think Friday night is strong, uh, especially with what's going on with, with the whole Bailey and uh, Sasha, but, NXT Wednesday nights is just at women's divisions killing it. Well, going going with that, even I would put NXT's women's division even ahead of AEW's right now. And I don't know what it is, but NXT for the last five years, it's just consistently good female wrestling. I mean, you could go back to when Natty was wrestling, I believe it was Charlotte at the beginning, and then you got Bailey and Sasha putting on their instant classics, and it just kept going and going and going and going. And like you said, with the, the main event later on, I mean, I don't know what NXT's doing, but... For the past five years, they've been knocking it out of the park consistently on a weekly basis. So a question I want to pose to you guys, because Kron Meltzer brings up a, big, a great point by bringing up AEW, and of course that's their Wednesday night competition. Do you think NXT, okay, so we open the show, we basically, we bookend the show with, with the women's division. Do you think they're trying to set themselves apart from AEW because the women's division is so much better? In my in my opinion, I I I, I think it's fact that it's it's a lot better. Not that AEW's division is bad, but it's, it's not, not as it's not as smooth. I feel like I feel like NXT's females are just a lot smoother, and every you don't see very many like botches really in the ring with them. I feel like you get a little bit more with AEW. I, I would put AEW as the second best female wrestling, but I would still put NXT ahead of that by a long shot. I mean, they just seem more fluid and a lot smoother. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. I think it's the level of competition. If you ask me who's the next AEW Women's Champion, I got one name. If you ask me who's the next NXT Women's Champion, I got five or six that could be next. And that's immediately, like if the title changed tomorrow, it wouldn't shock me. And then you have more that could be built up in the span of a month to be at that level. Whereas AEW got like, well, I had two names till Britt Baker was injured. But otherwise, I got like one, maybe. Who's that? Chris Statlander? I love Chris Statlander. Of course, I love yeah. that gimmick. <laughs> yeah. The the only thing that, it, it, not to get on an AEW tangent here, but the only thing I hate about AEW is, so Chris Statlander, you love the gimmick. She's an alien, right? Mm-hmm. They have not explained that on Dynamite at all. Why, why do you have to explain that she's an alien? I don't have to explain that someone's from New York. It's just where she's from. 
it makes no sense though. It, it literally makes that's like saying, Oh, he's the Undertaker. Like <laughs> he's he's from the grave. Like, what do you want me to do? By the way, from the grave, check out Buried Alive episode next week on the uh on the show. Uh, but no, seriously though, like dedicate some time to that character development. They don't do that for their they really don't. for for Chris Stantlander at all. For for a lot of she comes out boops the nose and then they're like oh and then Excalibur's explaining everything well I and I Jr's pissed at him I think <laughs> I think show. that's that's kind of what you're getting at that's one thing that does set AEW and NXT apart is I feel like the females in AEW at least have a gimmick attached to them Britt Baker's a doctor you know Nyla Rose is the native beast you've got. Um, Chris Statlander, who's the the alien of the galaxies or whatnot. But a lot of the females in NXT, I mean, there's there's not really as much gimmick to go along with them. You know what I mean? They may have like a nickname or something, but there's no real like substance to a gimmick behind it. Well, except for Shotzi, who comes out in a tank. Yeah, I I would agree with that. Which I hate. I hate that tank. Yeah, the the fact that she almost crashed into the ring. You know, it was pretty close. I mean, she's coming out like Tank Girl. Is that what it's going for, Kevin? Uh, kind of, yeah. It's just overall punk gimmick. Like, I could see I could see her coming out at a tank for, like, TakeOver Brooklyn. Like, that would make sense to me. But, like, just on a regular NXT, you know, uh, house show or whatever. Uh, no, a regular NXT TV show. Like, why even bring it out? Are you talking a legitimate tank? Rusev tank? <laughs> R- Rusev right, tank. So. Anything else you guys want to say about the match? I have one thing about the match is due to their numerous knee injuries, I cringe so often for certain things Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai do in this match. Right. It's like when Shawn Michaels came back from the back injury, when Daniel Bryan first came back, when Edge came back. There's certain things I'm like, dear God, why are you even doing that? Why are you putting that, yourself into that position? Like it just... I'm sure they're healthy. I'm sure it's healed. It might even be stronger than it was before, but like I get nervous seeing certain moves done. Well, I, I same way here more for, for Tegan Knox for me, just given how like very like public, like the injuries that she had during the tournament and on, and on TV and so on. Um, I'm actually shocked when she returned, she had a double leg brace and now she seems to be going with just the one leg brace. Um, I just, I cringe at any high impact maneuver that she can, that she does. Like, I just see like a Sid Vicious kind of thing going on or just another knee injury or something coming, but you know, the girl's doing fantastic. And, you know, I just hope they, they keep that, that rocket ship attached to her back. And she just, just, she's doing well. She's doing really, really well. Yeah, I thought I thought this was a good opener. You know, it got it got what it needed to. It got the faces over to start off the show and uh, get everybody ready for the rest of the night. Yeah, and when we talk about uh, spots that are scary, we'll talk about one in the uh, Champa cross match, which I just thought was yeah pretty good. So, so I'm sure I'm sure you guys know where it's going. So, anyways, uh, after the first match, we go to the promotional considerations paid for by the following, which I found out is actually the voice of William Regal trying to do a Lord Alfred Hayes impression. Yep, is what I've heard, which is fantastic. Uh, but the, we're talking cookie sandwiches, guys. What do you guys think of the cookie sandwiches? Have you tried them yet? I myself, I've not tried them. Obviously. I, I, to me, it's got to be without a doubt. We don't want to call them the the ice cream bar because we don't want to remember the last time the words ice cream bar were set on air and who particularly, you know, was connected with wanting to bring back those ice cream bars. So, 
you know, kudos for trying to, you know, do the, uh, a similar idea. Uh, love the commercials and, and, the, and the talent just pounding those. Like, there's absolutely no tomorrow. It, I was just thrilled with it. I was thrilled with it. There, there's another ice cream commercial later on I liked more. But it was just fantastic. I'm so glad they brought it back. Was this the one with Rick Boogs in it? Because I got a nice mark out for him. I'm yes. a big fan of his, dude. I love that guy. He is awesome. Yeah, that was uh, that was the first one. So uh, then we go right into a Finn Balor versus Damian Priest video, and that leads us to our second match, which is uh, Damian Priest uh, taking on Finn Balor. Uh, what did you guys think of this one? Match of the night. Whoa! In my opinion, I am dead serious. I loved this match. Uh, I I agree with Crone Meltzer. I enjoy. It's not match of the night for me. It's probably number two though. I you know you know who Damian Priest reminds me of, and I hate to go back to it, but just from the AEW comparison, he's like a much crisper Luchasaurus. I mean, his kicks and everything. I'll give you that. Pinpo- I mean, what that? I saw a little bit of his work in Ring of Honor. Wasn't too thrilled with him. And I'm still kind of iffy on the Archer of Infamy gimmick. But, man, his work in the ring is really, really good. Like, this was very impressive to me. Uh, the only thing I struggle with uh, with Damian Priest is the finish um the the roll the dice whatever i feel like it to me when he does it it should have a lot more snap to it it just seems a little bit too slow i I, maybe if he twisted and went the opposite way uh so it wasn't a complete roll through uh but i i I love the music i love the entrance uh his moves in the ring uh, like uh, melzer said very very crisp um, to me, I absolute cringed at the ring apron bump to the steel steps. And I it just, I looked at it so many times, just how his body hit it. I didn't know if he went too long and almost broke his neck. I didn't know if he went, it was, and was trying to completely, uh, to me, I just thought that there was going to be some kind of back or vertebrae injury there. And um, it, it appears not to be the case, but uh, cringy, cringy spot. And uh, uh, the finish of the match with uh, the coup de gras and the one, two, three for Finn Balor. Uh, fa- fantastic. I was wondering if we were going to get a throwback to the demon just to randomly showing up for this particular match. I'm kind of glad that they held off on it. And instead, they're really kind of pushing forward with the whole Prince gimmick uh, from his New Japan. Save the demon for Halloween Havoc NXT. <laughs> right. There you go. Uh, no, I, I just want to say, Educator, I think the reason that the roll of the dice doesn't look that crisp is he's so long. Like, he, he's just elongated, like, when he, even when he's moving his arms and stuff like that. But seeing him, I think um, Meltzer and I went to a Ring of Honor house show when he was Punishment Martinez. And he's got a presence to him. Like, even his voice is so deep. Right. And you've heard a singing voice when he opened the show as well. I mean, beautiful. <laughs> Seems like an angel. But he, um, yeah, I think he's got, he's someone, when I look at the, when I watch NXT, I think of who would Vince like a lot? And I feel like Vince would probably see him and like, yeah, I want to ruin him. Like, <laughs> like, that's the guy I want on spec. Like, he's, he's like a Corbin, but he's better than Corbin, in my opinion. Right. He, there's. There's something missing. He's so close, but there's something missing. And I don't I don't know what it is. 
and I don't know that they know what it is either, but he's like one one promo, one catchphrase, one look, one turn. Like he's so close to getting over. And this is honestly, I would not have said it was my favorite match night. It is, however, my favorite Damian Priest match I've ever seen. This was a really good match. I liked a lot that he did in here. Is that him putting it together? Is that because Finn Balor is so good he brought him up level? I don't know. But it's definitely my favorite Damien Priest match I've ever watched. His 360 roundhouse kick is insane. That's such a good move. I was going nuts for it every time. I was writing down in this match more so than the other because this being a one-on-one, the other one being a three-on-three. The absence of fans. Yes, we have our NXT lower. And that's not, I don't mean that in a negative way, but not to the level to be on the pay-per-view card. Trainees. You have the NXT trainee talent around ringside, but that's not same as a fan. However, when Priest takes that bump, when he's kicked off the ring apron and lands on the steel steps, the way that echoed and the sound of it would not have come across as well with fans. Because there wasn't enough people and everything to absorb the sound, it looked and sounded even worse. The way he caught his back, too, reminded me of uh, Michaels catching his back on on the casket, in the casket match. Yeah. Which, which ruined his career for Absolutely destroyed his back, yeah. Now, I, you guys probably don't know, but you're saying, like, how he looks like a rock star. For me, he's like a reincarnation of Peter Steele. Peter Steele was the lead singer of a goth metal band called Typo Negative, and he had this deep voice, and he was, like, 6'7". And he was very sexual as well, which helped the gimmick. I think if Damien Priest could do like, I'm the type of guy that's going to take your daughter and you're going to wish I wasn't at your house, add like a sexual vibe to this rock star vibe too, it might be the thing that pushed him over. Especially, did you see his tights? And all the holes cut in it. I like how earlier in the show you said you don't pay attention to the males. And now you're talking about the holes in his tights. Well, we'll pretend it was a setup. We'll pretend I planned it. No, okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. sure you did. Damien Free Skier made me think about uh, early Brutus the Barber Beefcake. And yes. Where he used to tear down the sides and, and just show a lot more skin than, you know, you would be normally used to for a male performer. But, um, I, I like the match. I, I'm not sure if I would definitely put it as the match of the night. Um, but without a doubt, they 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 have great chemistry together. And like I said, the thing that stands out, and we've been talking about it, was just that, that back spot falling onto, that, onto those ring steps. And just the angle and the position of his body hitting that court, the, the edge of the steps at that angle. Oh, it was just scary. How, how different would the wrestling landscape be? If Balor didn't get injured uh, uh, mm. in that SummerSlam oh. match with Rollins, because they had the rocket strapped to him, and then he got injured, and then Vince didn't think he could carry the load. How different do you think wrestling would be if Balor was the guy that had a year-long run? I I don't think it would have changed because wasn't that that was the year when Goldberg ended up winning the title and getting the win, or uh, Lesnar beat him at Mania, right, to get the win back. So that was from, so I think that would have been in the cards anyways. I think Goldberg would have ended up with the title in the end. And honestly, I think Vince changes his mind so much that I doubt it would have changed that much. But let me ask you this then, Crone, because it was Goldberg, uh, Brock. What about Brock versus Demon Balor at Mania? 
<laughs> well, like that. Say if he would have held that that universal title all the way through, like that. I'm just I'm just curious because to me, Balor is just I I love Balor. Don't I think he's fantastic. I mean, his heel work is so much better than anything. What are you doing that at Mania? Is Balor going in as a face? As the demon bat, because if he's demon, you got to assume he's probably going to lose to Lesnar at Mania. So you almost wonder if that would cool him off if they ended up going that route. Regardless, I, I think I think this is the best case scenario for him to be in NXT as opposed to Raw or SmackDown. Anyways, I mean, it, him being able to have the freedom and look, I, the demon gimmick wasn't terrible, but the the Prince gimmick he clearly like you know can get around that and like you guys said maybe if he comes out for a halloween havoc or something that's one thing but i i think i think he's in the right spot now and i think he'll be working with some pretty solid talent for the foreseeable future if he didn't get injured he's a multiple time raw or smackdown champion and other people have one reign less roman reign has one less reign or seth rollins or bray Wyatt or some someone else doesn't have multiple reigns because he now does but i think all your top people stay the same and one thing too about the demon character when he was in japan when he was a heel um his paint would be venom and when he was a face it would be more of like a spider-man so yeah. <laughs> just throwing it out there so damn, he would play off that damn copyright laws i i actually did have two things i was going to say about the match too the first one was that that razor's edge on the ring apron that um, uh, Damian Priest hit on Finn Balor. I remember just a couple of years ago when Kevin Owens was hitting up pop-up power bombs on the apron and put people on the shelf for months. And now it's only good enough for like a near fall two count. Um, That was the first one. But the second one, I just, I wanted to reiterate, I just felt like it was two guys making each other look good. Like I watched that match and neither guy lost anything. This is one of those instances where I feel like both guys' stocks went up very high, as if battlers could go up any higher. But you talk about two guys making each other look good. This was this was a definition of a match for that. Yeah, I really I really enjoyed this. It was my second favorite match of the night. Um, so we got another promotional consideration paid for by the following. And if you're gonna have one guy promote Ico Pro. It's gotta be Adam Cole, baby. Uh, educator, what did you think of this? I know when you saw this, you, you had to pop you. The, the only thing I wish that they had was either the banner in the background or Adam Cole carrying the big jug of the protein powder <laughs> or something. But without a doubt, the only thing missing besides that is maybe him walking around with a fanny pack on in the gym. This was just fan absolutely fantastic loved it uh, it was one of those ones i was hoping for i'm like if you're doing some retro things here's some stuff you could throw in this was one i was hoping for and they knocked it out yeah i thought i started laughing when i saw that so um after that commercial we get a uh, johnny gargano versus keith lee video um and it turns out that johnny gargano lives in the set of in your house is that what i'm made to believe and it also he's also got yes, a does. photo of doc hendricks, <laughs> doc hendricks and, he turn, and he turns the room temperature from 70 degrees down one degree and then winks at the doc hendricks when it's 69 degrees <laughs> i mean fantastic without a doubt so did you guys see that apparently they asked michael hayes to cut his hair and appears doc hendricks on the show and he flat out refused <laughs> I did not. He's got no hair on top. He doesn't want to walk around without a hat on. So cutting his hair, you wouldn't really know anyway. So 
would be able to see the retro haircut. He's so thin on top. He's got well, the Paul Heyman going. Yeah, he's got basically the Paul Heyman. The skull, yeah. Yeah. Well, the last time he got a haircut was on a plane, so. So, so Kevin, I got to ask you, um, Gargano, what is he wearing to the ring? What was his take? Um, I've seen things that it was Mandalorian, Dr. Doom. What do you think his ring gear was? No, it's Mandalorian, Matt, and you're an idiot. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, so uh, Keith Lee came out, and of course, Keith Lee's wearing the Black Lives Matter gear. At that point, when I saw that, I knew he was not going to lose. Agreed. Not a doubt. No, there was no way. E- even with, and I, I called it uh, when I was watching the show, my nephew and I were here watching the show, um, when Gargano walked through and locked the door to the house and then put the key in his gear. I'm like, oh, without a doubt, he's going to use the key and go after the eyes again uh, to continue on with it. And I called that spot. But when when Keith came to the Keith Lee came to the ring and had not just not only the jacket, but it was on his tights, so it was going to be without a doubt prominent throughout the match. I, I knew, oh, there was no way that they were going to have itty bitty Gargano. And don't get me wrong, the fantastic, amazing wrestler. There was no way. Gargano was going to go over Keith Lee tonight. There's no way. What did you guys uh, think of the match? Uh, when 21 minutes, of course, we had some really good spots. Uh, Gargano going through the plexiglass. Um, of course, the uh, the ring camera. And not I'm not talking about wrestling ring. I'm talking about ring on a uh, door, that camera view. Uh, what did you guys think of the whole match? This one was my favorite match of the night. Um, I... I liked seeing Keith Lee on Independence before he was even signed WWE. I was thrilled when he was signed. Gargano, like we've seen live, so we've seen him for years before he was ever in NXT. I knew they would do something great. I feel like Gargano, because of all the success he's had, did not need the win. He did not need another reign as North American champion. No. He just needs to get this heel character over. Whereas right. Keith Lee needs more good victories. Like he had his moment at the Rumble, and that was a fantastic moment. But he needs more. Like I, I see Keith Lee as future WWE World Champion, for sure. I think he just needs to get built up some more. And losing to Gargano was not going to do that. The, the the ring camera, like you were saying, fantastic. If you're doing cinematic stuff, if you're trying things new, that was a brilliant one to just add something to it. The way that Gargano brought this giant man down by attacking his hand throughout the match right. was so well done. By Great storytelling. Oh, it was incredible. Gargano threw the boards, like you mentioned. Uh, me and, and Candice LeRae both coming out for their men and having a little fight. The keys to the eyes, it's such, like, it looks so devastating. It looks so painful. It looks like he's actually doing it. And it's a credit to both men to pull it off. And to make it look, you know, real for such a spot like that. Keith kept cooking out of stuff. I'm like, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he's losing this. Like, there were ones he kicked out of that I I legit thought I was wrong and he was losing the match. Like, they really built it up throughout. But once he turns it, once Keith Lee builds up, you know, his comeback to eventually win the match, just a freight train. I was like, oh, he is not being stopped. He is dominating the last part of this match. He looked like a beast at the end. Yeah, and, that, and that, because I, I think I'm kind of built like Keith Lee. You know, I don't have the cardio. But I think we're question. Can you do you have a BBC? Uh, this a way, big bank, a big bank catastrophe. Big, 
I never. How did I not realize that his finishing move is is the BBC? Jeez, you never, you've never, it never clicked. I heard Big Bang Theory too. It's a, it's a, um, it's a, it's a Dragon Ball Z reference too. Well, so uh, I knew Spirit Bomb is right. So I knew that one. I thought Big Bang Kid history. I'm like, well, maybe it's like uh, like a Big Bang Theory thing. And jeez, how did I miss that? And you can actually hear. In his voice, when he starts basking in the glory of Keith Lee. <laughs> disappointed in myself. Is this how you guys feel all the time about me? Just disappointed Just in disappointed. you? <laughs> only, only, sir, on days on NNY and weekends. Oh, no. Uh, what did you think of the match, Crone Meltzer? Because, uh, you know, uh, Kevin Hellion said this is his favorite match of the night. Where did you, where did you rank this? I put this as my second match of the night, actually. I, uh. Really, really enjoyed, like has already been mentioned, the the security camera. That spot, loved that. I loved that angle. Unfortunately, you can only really do that at an event like this where it really like fits the theme. Um, one thing that I didn't like was the beginning when Gargano put the key in his trunks. I felt like the ref would have seen that being right there. Like It's just one of those things of like turning a blind eye, I suppose like just submersing yourself in, in the illusion. But I, I didn't like him putting the key, because then I knew it was going to be in play the entire match as well. I think it may have been a little bit cooler had he not shown it. That's nitpicking, though. But outside, outside of like that, I mean, the pounce through the, the glass around the, the barricade, that was a really cool spot as well, which, uh, well, what do you guys think of that? I mean, I think it's an all right touch having the the glass up because it gives it a different feel. But I I also like like AEW and, you know, just the open air vibe that they do. I'm actually surprised that the WWE hasn't thrown someone through the plexi before this, to be honest. Like, I'm surprised Braun hasn't thrown. He may do it on Sunday, throwing Miz and Morrison, doing his little run around the thing and throw him through the plexi in all in all honesty. Uh, And I did have one problem with the uh, ring camera um, on the door was Gargano had the key to the door and he's banging on the door the entire time to open the door. (laughs) Like, just makes no sense. Uh, well, that I would say would play more into the logic of the match. If he digs it out, then it's obvious to the ref who's now that, paying that, more attention that he has it. That makes sense. This this was also the match. I don't know if you guys noticed it, but did you see that they actually had that old school WWF logo, except for the WWE logo um, underneath the the actual in your house logo they had. Yeah, yeah, on the ring apron. Big yeah, I yeah. I, I that this was the first time I noticed that, but I thought that was a really cool touch as well. But that goes back to what I was saying at the beginning. They did all those commercials and everything like so retro, but then they opened it up with a concert. I just I don't understand why they did that. But sans that, I thought everything up to this point was done picture perfect. Kevin, do you know um, the NXT Loud, which is what all these bands is? Are, are they like a record label? Is that what it is? Or I know that they have a partnership with like what the Download Festival. Um, is that part of it? They got a partnership, but WWE hasn't had a music label in forever. There was some band that did a, a Raw or SmackDown theme uh, that was signed to WWE Records or SmackDown Records, or whatever the heck it was called. And this is late attitude era, but that was it. They tried. I wonder if it's um, a partnership with like full sale. I know they do the music and stuff. Yeah. 
that would make the most sense. Um, so following the match, uh, we have another promotional consideration, Cookie Sandwich. Uh, this one, I think, had Bronson uh, Bronson Reed. Is that his name? The Thick Boy? No, that uh, was not Devour- this one. No, that's not. How many of these damn cookies three. did they? <laughs> there was three of them. Who, who was in this one, Kevin? This was Shotzi Blackheart and Tegan Knox. Oh, okay. Well, I agree. So, and I, this is the one I'm I'm asking my friend uh, Adam to get a logo for. <laughs> okay, for, good, good, for good. reasons. I can only imagine. Um, so, so following that up, uh, we get our Adam Cole versus Velveteen Dream hype video. And then we go to the back lot brawl between Adam Cole and the Velveteen Dream. Um, what did you guys think of this? Uh, educator, uh, you know, why don't we start with you here? Um, did you did you like the cinematic one? Um, for So this is now, since we've been on lockdown, so to speak, you, this would be the fourth cinematic match, right? We had two at WrestleMania. Well, this is our sixth. Uh, right. Let's talk through them all. We had the two yeah. at WrestleMania. We had the Boneyard Bone. Okay, so because I actually have this question, I want you guys to rank them eventually. Oh, but we'll perfect. talk about it first. Uh, so you have Boneyard, then you have Bray Cena, right? You have Gargano, Champa. You have Money in the Bank, oh, and yeah. then you have the Stadium Stampede. Stadium Stampede's AEW. Oh, okay. Yeah. I know, but okay. I'm going to add it in. Okay. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, because I was just, I was, I was just thinking. So the, this is the sixth you. one. So sixth one. Um. For me personally, um, if, if we're looking at all six now, I, I well, e- even without if we the AEW one, um, I, I was a little disappointed in this one, to be honest with you. Uh, I, I, I guess maybe a lot of it was or is with the confusion as to what the future holds for Adam Cole. Uh, with his supposed contract status, but then I'm heard hearing different stories that no, his contract really isn't up in August. He actually signed a three-year deal back in 2019. So maybe if I knew that watching the match, it wouldn't. It, this didn't surprise me. Uh, I, I'm also under the auspices that um, Velveteen Dream was going to be uh, called to either Monday nights or Friday nights as well. And I'm also hearing stories that that certainly might not be the case. And there's a lot of background history with Velveteen Dream supposedly getting himself in trouble uh, on social media and so on like that. Um, The one thing that I did appreciate about this particular match is that we, we get some more character development of a rising star. Uh, Dexter Loomis being brought in, to not necessarily as a, a friend of Velveteen Dream, but to ward off the additional cronies of the Undisputed Era who were certainly lending to Adam Cole's support in the match. Um, lo- love the, uh, the getting them getting stuffed into the car and Dexter Loomis driving off with them to kind of make the match even one-to-one. Um, the, the Uber car coming in did anyone order an uber i mean uh it just it was kind of a goofy ha tongue-in-cheek uh kind of thing um I, the finish um i'm i'm not sold on the panama sunrise finish for adam cole i really am not um i, I like the last shot uh you know in the back of the head unsuspecting um cool to see i guess that adam cole retain 
I'm just I'm concerned that Cole's been in NXT now for what three years? Going to be three years in in August when he debuted. He debuted at the Brooklyn Takeover um, three years ago. Um, wh- where are we going next with Adam Cole? Um, what more is there to, for him to do in NXT? And are, are we finally going to get the call to one of the two other rosters? And if so. What is going to be the change for Adam Cole? Is the whole crew going with him, or is he going to be going as a singles competitor? Um, I really don't know. This particular match, for me, this was the worst match, in my opinion, for the entire night. I was not impressed at all. Um, You know, there were some cool spots with the the cars and the trucks. I'm actually shocked that they... they had a wrestling ring involved, but I guess obviously it being a title match, you know, I'm, I'm thinking back to Shamrock's backyard bra or backlot brawl with Steve Blackman back in what? 98, 99. So I thought it was going to be more of a callback to that kind of encounter, but uh, the match for what it was, it, you know, Adam Cole retained. Uh, I'm just, what is now the future? Where do we go from here? Okay. Velveteen dream can no longer, uh, contend for adam cole's nxt championship okay so now what's next for adam cole what's next for velveteen dream i guess there's just a lot of unanswered questions that this match now didn't finalize uh like we talked about before with the gold dust undertaker you know um was it final rights or last whatever they're like last one of the series match. oh the last final curtain. final curtain final curtain final curtain that's it seemed like what this is. This is the last time for them. They both have to move on to other things. I agree. I don't know what those other things are for either character. I got so excited at first. Um, Velveteen coming up in the Lamborghini. I went nuts. I I tweeted at some people. There's a long-standing Lamborghini joke going on uh, with uh, at Odds with Wrestling. So I had to tweet at them to see if they had seen it or not. Him coming out as Negan, I lost my mind for the Negan cosplay. I did not expect that. The the baseball bat made a lot of sense for such a match. I was excited about it. And then it just, you know, like you're saying, the Uber joke, that was hysterical. There were certain bumps and moves. The the parking meter, he opens the door and gets hit with a fire extinguisher. Like, there were certain things that I enjoyed and moves. The Dexter Loomis thing was weird, but I get it. Um, Adam Cole going through the windshield was disgusting and very well done. But for the cinematic matches, and to go back to your larger question there, Treats, they're not... I I would place Firefly Funhouse as one because that's the only one that I'm like, I have to rewatch this. There's so much going on here. It's so well written. It's so well done. There's a lot of details and all. This is something I need to absorb. And the Boneyard match I loved a lot at first, but more time has passed and the more, you know, we've got a handful of other cinematic matches. Most of these are your B movie action movies on Saturday afternoons after the cartoons are done. They're not good, you know, movies for it being the cinematic matches. I don't have a rewatch level for it. I have, Oh, that was fun. That was action packed. I enjoyed it, but there's nothing more. If they want to make this more like, you know, Oh, this is cinematic and special. Do better editing, better lighting, a musical score, you know, like if Velveteen was, you know, checking those doors instead of just looking like an idiot checking the doors, have like some music in the background building up tension for it. 
you know, there, there's more that could be done for these cinematic ones. It, it was it was a well done story overall. Like when Velveteen's up on the ladder and he gets blinded by the headlight, you know, undisputed air coming in. It was a it was a good story, but I just ended up not caring about the match at all. Yeah, for me, I uh, I I was looking forward to this one. I wanted to see what they would do. You know, talking about this being the uh, the sixth installment, if you will, in these cinematic type matches. I was. I was really intrigued to see what they were going to come up with for the for the backlot brawl. Uh, first thing, Dream always has the best outfits for the takeovers. I mean, every single time he nails it. It was like that that Negan, but it almost had like a Hollywood NWO style theme to it. I thought that was really cool. Um, it's crazy to think how far he came from Tough Enough, though. I mean, you're talking what five about five six years ago, and even then. He was really young, but for the past two or three years, he's just been, you know, the man, it seems, on NXT. He's been a really, really solid character. And and going to the educator's point about Adam Cole, I, I don't know. I don't know if they plan on, like, moving him up. If if they want to see, see through NXT as actually being a legitimate third brand and maybe trying to keep a couple of key pieces there to constantly, you know, whether it's Champa, Gargano, Balor now, and Adam Cole, keep those types of people as like the pillars of the brand almost. Um, I don't know if they're going to do that. If they do end up going that route, I think that Adam Cole should drop the title to Keith Lee because in about, I could see Keith Lee holding the title for about six more months maybe even maybe even nine more months, you build Cole up, and I know it's a while, but for another year, and you have a Keith Lee versus Adam Cole winner-take-all match at next year's TakeOver Mania with Keith Lee winning that, I think he's the perfect choice right now. I mean, I, I look at the roster, and you have people like Karrion Cross, but Champa, Gargano, you know, even Balor. Balor could win it, but I feel like we've seen that story. If we let Adam Cole and the Undisputed Era keep running roughshod for a little while, and then eventually Keith Lee's that guy to dismantle them, I think that'd be a pretty good story. But for all I know, Vince might want to get his hands on Keith Lee and call him up in a couple of months. So who knows how that could change? I mean, that's the interesting thing about, is it a third brand? Is it still a development brand, quote unquote? I mean, who knows? And, you know, this match going to the result with Adam Cole winning doesn't really answer any of those questions. Yeah, I, I think Cole running roughshod over NXT. Um, I, I like him there the best just because I, I don't trust Vince. I think Vince is going to see him as too small to do anything and won't want him to. to I mean, I don't know what you do. I mean, he'd be a lackey for Seth Rollins, I think. Is what Vince would see for him. So. I mean, I ideally, you think a cool scenario would be like maybe a, a takeover type thing where the Undisputed Era comes in on Raw and just starts like running over everybody or something like that. But to your point, like how long do they keep that up for? You know, the, the, the flavor changes every couple of months. So it's not one of those things where you can turn it on again, off again, and still get the same effect. I mean, the Undisputed Era is one of the most over things in professional wrestling right now. And I don't want to see that train go down anytime soon. Uh, so, Kevin, you said the Bray Wyatt Cena is your favorite cinematic. So I gave you a list of six. Uh, so if Bray Cena is number one, uh, what's two through six then? Honestly, Undertaker, AJ's two, and then the rest are level. 
You think the rest are level? Yeah. Interesting. Uh, what about you? The what about you, Meltzer? I would go if I I would go backwards. In my opinion, I think I think Money in the Bank would probably be the worst. I wasn't the biggest fan of that one. Um, fifth, I would probably go with which other ones we have. We had the Boneyard, Gargano, Boneyard, Champa. Bracina, yeah, Gargano, Champa. This one, and then uh, Stadium Stampede. I'd probably put this one at fifth, to be honest with you. Um, I'd go with this one fifth. I would go <sighs> Champa Gargano four, Firefly three, Stadium Stampede two, and I would give the Boneyard one, only because it was the first time that I had seen something like that, and it was one of those first times I was like, wow, like this is actually pretty cool, you know, so I... I'm going to give that one the edge, the original. I'm a sucker for originals. All right, educator. Uh, what do you think? Bray Cena one with a very, very close boneyard at two. Uh, everything else is blah in the middle, and I'd put Velveteen and Cole at the very, very bottom. Like I said, I wasn't overly impressed with this match. Yeah, and I would I would kind of, uh, kind of agree there with the educator. I, I liked Boneyard a lot. Um, I'd probably put Boneyard one. Bray Cena was just so crazy. That's at two. I would do Stadium Stampede three. Um, probably Gargano Ciampa four. And then I think I liked Money in the Bank more than this one, just because it was so fun. Um, and it was re- it was stupid. Uh, another thing too, though, is um, if they are if uh, dear NXT, if you're looking for ideas for a Halloween Havoc cinematic. Why don't you do one where Dexter Loomis is stalking his prey and you could do it as a horror film. So just a shout out there for that. So, um, and I thought the Uber spot was dumb. So I didn't, I did not like that at all. <laughs> um, but why don't we move on? Cause my boy, Todd P Todd, sir. slinging that merch, baby. We're slinging merch again. We're back. Uh, unfortunately there's no more nine of one, 900 numbers. Um, but there is AOL chat. So after uh, Todd Pettengale um, slings the uh, NXT merch, uh, we get uh, Shawn Michaels, H, uh, the HBK, Triple H, and the Road Dog henpecking at an old, old computer. What did you guys think of this kind of uh, nostalgia here? Uh, educator, you always have the nostalgia goggles on. What did you think of this little uh, bumper? Oh man, all three of them look so old. Yeah, and, Shawn, and then, Shawn Michaels. And then in that turn, it just made me feel old watching <laughs> these guys. The youngest looking person was Todd Pettengale. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's just crazy. Uh, Road Dog knocking down the, the, the sign in the background and then not knowing what to do. That was just weird. Uh, but it, it was a fun haha kind of deal. But man, I just I felt bad. There was just a lot of gray. A lot of facial hair and a lot of gray in that in that in that scene. So that that's just a mirror for me. Um, it, like the the merch, I I knew Treats would be going nuts as soon as the merch thing happened. The one nine hundred was a funny joke, and then I'm seeing Shawn Michaels, Triple H, and Road Dog pretending that they don't know how to use a computer. I was like, when you have most of the internet complain about the writing staff after, during and after every show, do you want it to look like they don't know how to write? 
or <laughs> the computer. Yeah, I thought it was if they would have just did it with Michaels, I think it would have been better than yeah. having all three of them in there. Because then that would have been a play on what actually happened, like that actual GIF that you see all the time. Yep. But um, throwing Triple H and Red uh, Road Dog in there just made you know have Road Dog to sing the song from Lumberjacks. Come on, it's easy stuff. Um, so after those segments, we get our uh, Tommaso Ciampa versus uh, Kyrian Cross video, and then we get. What is basically a squash match of Tommaso Ciampa with Kyrian Cross with Scarlett Bordeaux taking on uh, Ciampa. What did you guys think of this? Uh, let's start with Crone Meltzer. Well, I mean, what was there to say about it, really? You know, I mean, I feel like I I didn't really know what we were getting in store for this one. This is one of those things going back to the beginning where you guys are talking about going back and looking at the old shows, and you, you kind of know how the book's going to end. You go into a match like this, I what six minutes for for a Tommaso Ciampa pretty much squash is surprising to me I was I was expecting these two guys to go out there and you know have like a 15 to 20 minute match but you want to talk about getting somebody over I mean it's it's showing that they're dedicated to try and get and carrying cross over and his his whole gimmick I mean even touching on the Dexter Loomis thing from the last segment it seems that NXT has a lot of darker gimmicks almost like pushing that envelope kind of that a lot of the fans are wishing the main roster would go for um it'll be interesting to see with cross squashing champa just just how hard they end up pushing him you know if if is he going to be the next one in line for adam cole possibly um and if he is does he end up being the guy to take it off of him um uh, all I can that's all I can really say you know just just a, a simple squash of Champa and I mean apparently they got a lot of stock and cross they're expecting big things from him I mean they, they better they outbid AEW and everybody else for him so there must have been something in there for him to get a, a hot push out of the gate without a doubt I mean you look at you know guys that have shown up to each promotion we got cross coming here and we got Brian Cage Going over to AEW, I, I kind of think WWE won that particular uh, or got a bigger win with who they were able to sign. Uh, without a doubt, there's not much more to say other than the fact that there was such limited offense that was uh, given in the match uh, by Champa, which was very surprising given the fact. I mean, they you know talked about here. He talked about this is his 13th takeover, blah, blah, blah. And then it was just a complete blowover. Uh, Cross and Scarlet, they complement each other so well. That entrance that Cross has with Scarlet and her lip syncing, you know, I, I, at first I was struggling with it, but now I'm really getting into it. And uh, yeah, they, 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 they've got big things, I think, in the plans for Cross. And I look forward to the direction in which they go now. It's been so long since I've seen someone with this much of a push from the start. It's shocking. Like, Cross is signed and is immediately, relatively immediately, beating a former NXT champion in a squash. Easily. And I'm thinking about putting it in, you know, our in-your-house retro era. I was like, this would be if, you know, freaking Johnny Rookie comes in and beats Steve Austin in six minutes in the mid-90s. And then I realized, well, that's kind of why Austin left. Because they wanted Brock to beat him in a King of the Ring qualifier on Raw in the first time ever that Brock Lesnar 
and Stone Cold would have met up in a ring. So we've had this before where the new monster comes in and we're going to have him destroy some main eventers real easily. I didn't mean to compare Cross to Brock Lesnar because I don't see it. Like when Brock came in, you knew the athletic gifts that he had. But Cross has more wrestling background than Brock had when he finally showed up on Raw as well. Um, Scarlett, I, I I texted Treats as the show was on asking, what is she wearing? Because I wasn't sure it was going to be like appropriate for it as soon as the camera went to color instead of black and white and all the gimmicks there. So we'd have some censorship happening on the show. Also, Ciampa, for the amount of injuries he has had, Taking some of the moves in this match, like I brought up earlier with Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai, I was like, why would Ciampa put his body in these in that position to take these moves when he's just came back from injuries? Like, there were some nasty spots in there, but it shows Cross as being a monster. Like, is he heel or face? It doesn't matter now. He's a monster. Crone's wondering who's next to beat Adam Cole. This dude just beat Champa, you know, put like there's a good chance he's next in line and he's going to just be this dominant NXT monster, which honestly is probably good ratings thing, too. Hey, this guy's going to come out and squash the stars easily. What's going to happen next? I'm curious. I need to see this. Plus, he's got this gorgeous blonde that comes out to the ring with him. Speaking of Scarlet, um, Kevin, earlier you said. There was something missing for Punishment Martinez, a.k.a. Damian Priest. What if he had a valet like Scarlett? Do you think that would add to him? Would, would that be that missing piece, you think? I, I, How about this? It wouldn't hurt. And for me, thinking he needs to be like a, an overly sexualized rock star thing, that would really work. I don't know who you would use for that. Um, I'm... I'm I got to play subgenre here for a moment. Like Shotzi Blackheart has a very punk gimmick, which is not metal, which is what Damien Priest is. I don't know that there's like a metal girl or metal gimmick. Honestly, and she just went through a gimmick change. I think um, maybe you could have rebooted Liv Morgan in that way. Yeah. Before whatever they're doing with her now. Um, Sarah Logan may have worked a little bit before she was released from the company, but I, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head. I'm like, you could put this girl in there. Uh, you know what? You know what, what? about Rhea Ripley? No, Rhea no. doesn't need to be with someone. What about Raquel Gonzalez there from her first match? Right. And you got the height for both of them too. That could be a real interesting dynamic. Um, another thing too, like you brought up too in this match is, and, and we kind of foreshadowed it earlier, the spot where Champa took like, the, was it a power bomb? Was it the racer's edge, the racer's edge to, the, the, to the ring, the ring? Oh edge. my God. I thought so, I was like, why would you ever take that? I mean, what a, a friggin' a spot for someone who's had the neck surgeries that he has so many things to go wrong between going a little bit too close to the ring ropes and your body is hitting the ring ropes or a little bit too close to the edge uh, of the ring apron. I mean, that is already known to be the hardest part of the ring anyway. And of course that's why they're doing the bump, but that just 
you know, goes to show you like how much Champa is like, listen, this is it for me. I have made it. This is my big time. And I am going to go all out until my body says I can't go anymore. Um, I have a question for you guys with the idea with Cross and Scarlet. What do you see is the role for Scarlet? Do you think she is going to become in-ring talent? Or is she going to be more of just ringside, kind of like Zelina Vega? I know that, you know, Zelina Vega was known to be a, a, a wrestler in, in, or in uh, Impact Wrestling. Um and now she's had, you know, a few appearances here and there in the ring, but has mostly always just been an uh, Andrade's spokesperson, and and then you know the the rest of the of the crew. Do you see Scarlett getting actual ring time in, or is it just too early to say what direction? What what do you guys? What do you think the plans are? WWE's plans, NXT's plans for Scarlett? I I think as I think they'll get to the main roster, obviously. Um, and I think eventually she'll get into the ring. I, I, I don't think, I don't see them as just valets anymore. Eventually everyone wrestles. Do you think it's like, like a sable thing, just like a progressive thing where eventually she just finds herself wrestling? I, I don't know. I, I just think they'll bring her into matches, especially when it turns out there, you know, there's so much, um, stuff inter intertwined with, you know, like total divas and, you know, real life relationships and stuff like that on the main roster. I mean, you could see, can you imagine you have Cross and Scarlet taking on Bel Air and Montez Ford? Like what a interesting dynamic that would be, though, if they were if they were individuals in a singles push for Montez and, uh, you know, down the line a year or two years down the line, I think it, I think it could work. That, that goes with what I was saying earlier about how I feel like there's a lot of male and female, you know, counterparts that are in relationships in all of the WWE with what you're saying. I mean, there are countless people that they could do stuff with. You know, we got Keith Lee and Mia Yim. We were talking about Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch, Bianca Belair and Montez Ford. I mean, there, there are a litany of things that you can do with that. And I feel like that's something that they've kind of been doing a lot more of lately. They're kind of testing the limits on that and actually bringing the, uh, the real life stuff actually into the ring. At least MXT has WWE's kind of dipping their toes in there. Well, speaking of limits, my example would be limitless. I could see Karen Cross and Keith Lee having a fight, Scarlet tripping Keith Lee or distract him or something like that, which brings out Mia Yim to stand up for her man, mixed tag match next week. And everyone's like, Scarlet can't wrestle. And then they're like, oh, she can wrestle. And just be surprised by it. I could see that storyline. Yeah. And then just a couple things. I know Educator talked about uh, Brian Cage earlier. Uh, what a difference in the way both of those guys wrestle. Cage trying to do a lot of the high-flying stuff, very uh, very athletic, uh, a lot of kicks, different things like that. And Cross wrestles like he's 6'9". Like, just just the way Cross carries himself, in my opinion, is the smarter of the two, where I think Cage seems to wrestle like a small guy, and he's not using his size the way he should. So, uh, that was that. And Kevin, I figured out who would be the perfect manager for Damian Priest. Shelly Martinez. Oh, I wish. Oh, yeah, so like, like, it, like the vampire she, gimmick. She almost. has no desire to do anything in wrestling anymore, I guess, other than like maybe an autograph convention thing. 
but that sort of look, I think, uh, would, I would be what you would want to go that. with. We were big fans yeah. of her. What about yeah. what about Paige? Ooh, yeah, that could, that's interesting. I think Paige is too far gone though from wrestling. I mean, she does like you know the interview stuff and the you know backstage or whatever. But yeah, I I just don't see her out there every week in the travel and all that anymore. But a prime page or a healthier page or whatever. Yeah, I could see that. Or like a Lita too. Lita yeah. would have worked. But like that sort of style of girl girl with edge. <laughs> Not actual edge. <laughs> Damn it. Lower I didn't case mean edge. That. <laughs> Lower case edge. Yeah. Yeah. Greatest wrestling match of all like, time. What, you want to put Beth it. Phoenix with him now? Oh, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <All> wait. <laughs> She's too busy announcing the matches. Oh, that's right. Hey, guys, I got a question for you. How many code orange t-shirts were sold in the last 24 hours? Because that's how much, that's how, how they're only selling code, code orange t-shirts for 24 hours. I got to get online right now. <laughs> it's a one nine hundred number, right? Oh, wait. I thought that was that. And how come not have Todd Pettengale do that? Right. To shill it. Yeah, exactly. Missed opportunity there. Um, so then we get, uh, Robert Stone just kind of chilling. He looks worse and worse every time you see him. It's kind of funny. I mean, homeless practically mess, which Chelsea green was an impact. Is is he supposed to be a play on Tony Khan? Do you think that's what that is? I don't know what they're doing with him. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, so then of course, Renee Young's interviewing triple H after the show on Facebook. I'm sure that was awesome. Um, (laughs) we're going to move on. We're going to move on to Charlotte, uh, Io Shirai, and Rhea Ripley video. And then we're going to move on to our main event and the best match of the night, which was Rhea versus Io versus Charlotte. Um, great match. <laughs> That's all I got. Everything about this was great, except, unfortunately, the, the finish, Io's moonsault. I really thought she, was, she caused some injury to... Uh, uh, the neck of Rhea Ripley. I mean, it was a fantastic spot to hit the moonsault. Um, I was actually going through some old YouTube uh, the other day, and I remember there was a triple threat match for the Miz versus Wade Barrett versus Curtis Axel. And when Miz had the figure four leg lock on Barrett, and then Axel snuck in and pinned Barrett while he was in the figure four leg lock, it, it was just a great, and the crowd erupted for that unsuspected finish. Same idea. It's just, unfortunately, the position and and just the way that Rhea Ripley kind of sat up as she was selling the figure four and the way that EO landed. um, It it was a great match. I just, at this point, I don't see what the point of Charlotte Flair coming back down to NXT. I I mean, one version of the story is, is that they had to hot shot the title to flair because there were work visa issues with rhea ripley and there was thought that she was going to have to go back to australia did any of you guys hear that and then it ended up not being the case or maybe she got the paperwork all figured out and uh, but i just i don't see the point of what charlotte flair like what did it do to did it elevate the title did, did it elevate the program i mean she's got this gimmick that she's working all the brands now but I just I don't see what the point was, uh, other than you know we wanted to transition the belt over to EO. Must be, perhaps I don't know. It seemed like pre-Corona shutdown, one of the big plans for Charlotte Flair was, and Finn Balor, Finn Balor as well, 
was to have these huge stars on NXT, and <laughs> especially when they're going head to head with AEW. So bringing Charlotte over to it, Charlotte's a known star from Raw and SmackDown. You can have her on there. She'll put on good matches. She'll be a focus. She's marketable. You can do a lot with it. And then the rumor was they were going to start bringing NXT out of full sale and having it at different arenas around the country. You put Charlotte on the bus, you're going to sell more, you know, or or the posters or whatever. You're going to sell more tickets to random NXT taping than some of the newer talent people would be less familiar with. Yeah. You know, you guys making saying it's best match. I I will say I think I should revisit this. I had to ma- watch this match in two parts, just kind of where it fell in my evening and other things happening. I took a break in between, and I feel like maybe I should revisit it and watch it in one sitting. I had this as the this was the third best match of the night for me. Uh, touching on the <laughs> the the. <laughs> Touchy, touching on the. What were your? T- what was? How did you rank them? Meltzer. How did I rank? Well, not all together, but I had, I had this one. I mean, just behind the Gargano and Keithley. You really could have had those like two A and two B, but your number one was Finn. Yeah, I, I really liked that Balor and Priest match. But what was what was number four? Oh God, number number four would have been. It would have been the opener. It would have been the sixth woman. And then five was uh, Champa and Cross. And then obviously nothing for the pre-tape. But um, the whole Charlotte thing, my impression was that it was for a ratings pop. And I'm wondering if they just realized that Charlotte didn't pop the ratings. Because it's not really a situation like Balor where you're sending him back there to be happy. I think you're just strictly doing it with Charlotte to see, hey, can we, you know, can we maybe get a pop? Who, who knows? For all we know, maybe it was just to work with some of the, the talent, you know, to maybe get them in a better place. But I thought it was just for a possible ratings pop. And when they realized that it wasn't going to pop the ratings, they were just going to pull the plug on it. I know um, on a conference call after this, Triple H did say um, to people wondering like what's going on with Charlotte. He said, "Wait three months, and the ending will make sense." Is what he said to to people. Of course, he has said in the past when they instituted Braun Strowman for Goldberg, just oh, just let the TV play out, and they didn't do anything. <laughs> they just announced it. So he could be blowing smoke just to not answer a question. Um, the other thing too, I wonder is. How much of getting the belt off of Charlotte and moving her as a permanent has to do with Becky? That's an excellent point. Becky taking her time off leaves a huge hole in Raw. Huge. I This can be a debate for another day. I think the last two years of Becky Lynch, she was the biggest star in all of wrestling. Not just women, all of wrestling. And I think that leaves a huge gap for them. Is Charlotte the answer? Who knows? Bailey and Sasha are doing fantastic work on SmackDown. Um, honestly, if you go back to November, Rhea Ripley was the breakout woman star. Right. Like, I thought for sure she was going to get bumped up to Raw. She was having an incredible time there. Yeah, and it just, I, I think her losing to Charlotte at Mania really hurt her style. Without a doubt. Also, too, what are they doing with Baszler? Where's Shayna? I mean, she's on Raw sometimes, but everyone's on Raw or SmackDown sometimes now. So this weird. is what I mean, though. Raw has Shayna Baszler. They have Bianca Belair. Like, do something with them. Right. It's, you know, it's like we're on Superstars again. Let's take four weeks in a row. Everyone just shows up once, and then you got to wait a month to see the wrestler you like. 
You know, I I think, and this is going to be the unfortunate thing, but I think they're going to end up missing the boat on the four horsewomen versus four horsewomen match that everybody was hoping for, which is really disappointing. Who cares about two of the MMA ones? Are you talking? Four- yeah, they didn't do anything with them in NXT. So, so question for you, because I know the rumor was uh, Rousey wanting to headline Mania in L.A., where she's from. Who do you have? Who do you build up to take on Rousey in that point? Because Becky's gone. Becky's not going to be back for Mania. You got to either do Charlotte or Rhea, I would feel. Right now, yeah. Bailey's not going to... I love Bailey. It's not going to work. Sasha, it's not going to work. Um. Shayna, why would she fight her best friend? It would be if Ronda was full time, it would be a heck of a story. But for the one off right. mania, it yeah, it's Charlotte or Ripley for sure. Question two, because you say Shayna, she won't fight her best friend. What if the storyline was was that Rousey's part time and Shayna does this and loves this and this is hers and Rousey always steals her spotlight? I could that could be a potential angle. But, and but again, I just you got to build to that, though. So you need Ronda to show up more than just one event. It's kind of... I, I, I'm very interested to see where the landscape of wrestling is going. Um, I think the stories, you know, it, it's, a, it's a very interesting time, obviously, with just COVID and no fans. And, you know, I give people a pass for trying stuff like, like the cinematics. Like, obviously, the uh, Velveteen Dream um, Adam Cole match didn't hit. But, you know, they're trying stuff. They're, they're doing different things. It's not just a match in front of no one. I think the secret is, since you don't have the fan noise, the ones that are doing some of the best work are the ones being loudest themselves. Right. Bailey is becoming an even bigger star in SmackDown with all of her trash talking. And she'll hear the announcers say something and respond to them. It's yep. hysterical. Yep. That. I thought Charlotte did great in this match. Mm-hmm. Um, she was yelling out, uh, this is my house and you two are guests. I thought that was fantastic when she's beating down Rhea and Io Shirai. Um, and you have it a little bit for some of them. Uh, Drew McIntyre, I think, does it very well, too. You know, to just trash talk and make his moves sound louder and just give something more with the absence of fans. But most of them aren't. They're just going through the motions, wrestling the same as usual. You can't now. You've got to wrestle a little bit different and tweak your stuff right now. Yeah, it's, it's funny you mention that because that actually was one of the notes that I had was that Charlotte's talking during the match, I felt, really helped it. It, like, it, it helps fill that void of, of silence. And, and actually, touching on the, the cinematic matches earlier that you were talking about, Matt, we didn't even mention that this was the first cinematic match that actually had live commentary over it. Like, they were actually commentating over it, which mm-hmm. was very different. Now, do you think that that could have played a part in why it wasn't as good? Uh, they, well, they did that for the stadium stampede. Well, yeah, but that I don't think that was live. I think that when they commentated, I think that was pre-taped, the commentary portion. I'm not sure, but I really liked the stadium stampede commentary just because of Tony Schiavone. <laughs> I love Schiavone so much, and he's just going crazy for half the stuff. No, but I think I honestly think the commentary helps out. Um, I don't know. Morrow needs a crowd, in my opinion. Yeah. 
um, yeah. when he's commentating. Um, he really benefits from having the crowd, and he feeds into it too, uh, because he gets so hype and he's and he's an amazing commentator. I love I love his boxing too. Um, he's he's great with boxing on Showtime when uh, when they have their events, but. Um, I, I really think he needs a crowd. Um, same thing with like Velveteen Dream. Like certain people, their character needs a crowd. Velveteen Dream needs a crowd. He doesn't work in in these small venues with no one in a, in my opinion. Um, and I think that's the stuff AEW gets with a lot of their comedy acts as well. You know, Marco Stunt and stuff like that. Um, it doesn't translate well without a crowd. Um, uh, Orange Cassidy does. Like cer- certain things do, you know, do well, and other things just don't. So. It's a it's a weird time for wrestling, and I'm sure in 20 years when we're recording a podcast about it, <laughs> it'll be fun. <laughs> um, anything you guys want to say about this? Is this is this a pay per view that you're or a special event, whatever you want to call it, that you would recommend to people? But you need to add the the little asterisk, the qualifier of this is no fans era, so it's yeah. going to be weird. But every match is good, um, to varying degrees. But every there's nothing where I'm like. Okay, you can skip this entirely. Even you know, it seems like our consensus is the Adam Cole Velveteen match we'd put last overall. But I still say it's worth watching. Definitely over it entirely if you're doing this pay per view. Um, But I, I, if you're just doing the in your houses, this is a large leap. But if you're just like, hey guys, I was listening to your show. Is this a good wrestling show? It's absolutely a good wrestling show. You're going to find someone you like, someone to root for, someone you want to tune in every Wednesday night to get to check out, someone whose action figure you want to buy. Absolutely. And just and just going through it too, uh, there is like a vicious bump or spot in like every match. Yeah, without a doubt. I, I, I mean, just uh, just a, a sick thing that that you hear the thud and you think it's gonna hurt. There's no just... phoning it in. We've seen no. like we've seen it in our in your house series. We've seen people that are half-assing it, people that aren't giving it. They're all people collecting the check. There is no one on this card phoning it, and everyone is out there going a hundred percent. And I hope when we finally do get fans that they don't start. Um, it doesn't start with like a raw or a SmackDown. I want it to start with a big event. I want it to, Oh, the first time we can have fans is SummerSlam. Let's do that. I want a big event yeah. to ring in the having fans. A welcome event. back kind of deal. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be yeah, nice. I think it would be good. Um, so I, I think that does it for us guys. Of course, we're not ranking it because it's modern and it's not retro. So it's not in our top five. I don't think anything would even hit our top five to be honest. I wouldn't say so. Our current top five. No, like, like, because we've we've added some recently our top five like a couple weeks ago i may have added the women's match overall but you said that wasn't even your favorite match but now you want to add it you make no sense (laughs) you make no sense all right why don't we get out of here uh educator anything you want to say to the fans out there like thank you guys for giving us uh, uh for tuning in to our show I uh, certainly want to say thank you to my colleagues here today and uh, thank you to our special guests for joining us tonight. It was definitely good to hear from you, Mr. Mr. Meltzer. I uh, want to say uh, a thank you to the Retro Network again for hosting our podcast. And I encourage again all of our listeners, if you have not given their website a peruse, please do so. They have a lot of fantastic content that will keep you busy for days. 
Uh, Mr. Meltzer, congratulations on graduating. What do you uh, What do you want to say to everyone out there? Well, first off, I I appreciate the the graduation. I appreciate being able to come back here and reviewing some some current wrestling that uh, I'm a little bit more familiar with. And as always, it's it's wonderful to to get back in the saddle with three of the most knowledgeable men I know about the business and and participate in one of the best podcasts going. So thank you guys. Oh, thank you for that. I really appreciate it. That warms the cockles in the heart. So I appreciate that. Um, I just want to say you can find me at Matty Treats. Uh, Join us next Thursday. We are doing Buried Alive. We're back into the retro-ness, putting the goggles back on. Uh, Buried Alive, I think, is the debut of the greatest character of all time, the executioner. I think that's what we've decided. (laughs) You guys will have to tune in to find out. Um, Also, thank you to the retro network. You know what guys retro network. It is so nice of you to give a home to a man who's still under quarantine. And that's Kevin Hellions because he's been on your, your show all week and you just can't just tell him to leave and he will leave eventually. Okay. Uh, But no, in all honesty, thank you retro network and Kevin Hellions take us home all right so again thank you to the retro network for hosting us thank you wwe network for the content thank you to richard reader for our logo thank you to my host this is the highlight of my week every week thank you crone Meltzer, for guessing you can find me across the internet at mass library MaskLibrary.com is my own site you can communicate with us on social media at trn house show and uh i get gentlemen i think this is the best show we've ever done but with more discussion, I might change my answer again. I thought the, I thought the, um, Twitter was TRN ho show. (laughs) 